Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britain. This universe is Britain. Don't worry. I'm not some crazy Britain who hates musicals. Um, still the same mm-hmm. old lovable guy. Britain one. That's what I call myself. That's egotistical. <laughs> I, I call it self-care. That's fair. <laughs> it's wellness. Fair. <laughs> And it is, it is, <laughs> listeners, listeners, uh, you know, make sure uh, to take some time out of your day to, to know that you are the number one multiversal you. Exactly. That's, yeah. that's, that's what's important. Yeah. Self-care means self-indulgence, but enough about my opinions of somewhere, somewhere out there is a version of you who like, who did fail that math test. Yeah. Uh, or. Or failed it worse if you also. Failed. <laughs> uh, Summer out there is a version of you that never heard of this podcast and isn't getting to yeah. enjoy it right now and is yeah, missing a, out on all these great jokes. What a punk. What a loser. Ugh. Oh, I don't even want to think about them. Mm-hmm. And if you ever see them, you should let them know. And that one doesn't get to hear us talking about this. Yeah. On. So they don't like mm-hmm. they totally miss this whole bit. Mm-hmm. It's about them. It's a whole thing. They're listening to another podcast that's like Joseph talking about hot dogs or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) It's just him eating a hot dog and going, it's pretty good. Doesn't do you any good, but I liked it. Anyway, (laughs) Bomba sucks. And it's called There Go the Prequels. (laughs) There Go Um, the Prequel. In that universe, hot dogs are called prequels. It's really silly. (laughs) It's a real regular show of a universe over there. Uh, we are talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, that might be the most, like, relevant opening bit we've yeah, ever done. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It was a sustained, like, on-topic joke, <laughs> yeah. uh, which usually doesn't happen. Um, uh, I like the movie. Uh, Alex, tell us things <laughs> about the movie. <laughs> Sure. Uh, So I guess uh, starting off, we're playing a little bit of catch up. We're in between franchises at the moment. So Mm -hmm. um, basically all of the big um, superhero or franchise films that we need to catch up on that have happened in the past, you know, six, six or so months um, that we haven't already done. We're now doing that. Um, Spider-Man No Way Home, directed by John Watts from 2021. It has a 93% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 98% audience score. Well, we the the fans are happy about that. We the fans aren't upset. I liked the movie fine. It has a lot of problems. (laughs) Ugh. (laughs) All right. I, I hate to be that guy in, again. In, I, I do. I do. In a, in another multiverse, there's a version of you that watches this movie and says, this movie has no problems. Ever think of that? Or is like, yeah, there's some problems, but overall, my gut reaction to and it is what wins. And it's not because that multi that universe's Spider-Man No Way Home is any right. It, right. it is a movie without movie. problems. It's it's he is watching this universe's <laughs> Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. And says there's no problems. So. You know what? And just like Britain's just bit. like Britain's doppelganger, he would be wrong. Let's get into the film. Britain, what is your synopsis for Spider-Man? Uh 
No Way Home. I couldn't come up with something funny. <laughs> what was my doppelganger <laughs> wrong about? I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, who is Britain's doppelganger? Yeah, we didn't introduce my doppelganger. My doppelganger in yes. that universe, though, is probably like sitting around watching the nanny diaries or whatever and being like this is great i don't remember that movie i don't know i guess well. i guess we did say you know he, he, call him a loser or whatever he oh, did, did fail yeah, that math did, test like, or whatever That's he's true. not i mean if we are applying the the math test part of it i guess he was wrong in that way this is a good britain, podcast <laughs> britain, britain describe the dang movie <laughs> okay so we open on a city new york most likely uh, no, the synopsis is thus. With Spider-Man's identity now revealed, our friendly neighborhood web-slinger is unmasked and no longer able to separate his normal life as Peter Parker from the high stakes of being a superhero. When Peter asks for help for Doctor Strange, the stakes become even more dangerous, forcing him to discover what it truly means to be Spider-Man. Uh, mostly messy hair and crying. Now, um... Yeah. I qualify. I I had not seen this movie before this uh, past weekend. These two had both watched it, um, and uh, as well as everyone else in this universe, and and I hadn't, and not just because Tom Holland and I have beef, uh, mm-hmm. but we we watch it on Friday, all of us together. Um, I I should give the caveat. I did not absorb the movie properly. <laughs> Um, there was a sleeping baby, and so you know the volume was low, and all of this, and you know it was a whole group of us. There's there, there's chatting. I'm chatting. You know, I definitely did not absorb the full thing. Um, also, I have not seen any of the other Spider-Man movies. I've seen every other Spider-Man movie once, except I've never seen Spider-Man 3. Um, the only Good. Spider-Man movie that I have seen multiple times and like have like held in my consciousness and in my heart is Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, sure. I, 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 I'm not even 100% sure I've seen the first Toby Spider-Man like full through. I'm not, I probably have, I don't know. I know I saw Spider-Man two in theaters. Um, so a lot of this, I was just kind of going off of cultural osmosis and just kind of like basic knowledge of it. So like I, I was actually re-listening to our no time to die episode. Um, and I, in that I talked about like my biggest hindrance with that movie was just not being a, a died in the wall bond fan. And my biggest hindrance for this movie is just not, having built a relationship with this character and specifically these iter- any of these three iterations of sure. this character where I've, I have seen, I, I, I liked both of the previous Tom Holland Spider-Man movies just fine. You know, I don't really remember what I said on the far from home episode, aside from the hilarious Venezia Britain uh, joke, mm-hmm. really just highlight. How did that go again? Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da, it's me, Britain from Venezia. Hey, Alex, why you know I got a movie? It's got the strong, sticky boy. This movie has has three strong, sticky boys. Kind of like this podcast. Um... (laughs) Don't like that. Um... You know, know, (laughs) Tyler, I I was already... Tyler, I was already going to ask you afterwards, like, how much of this can you cut out? And I I just... That that was just more... We can't... We can't... (laughs) <laughs> unfortunately we can't edit out the entire podcast so at some point we just we just have to commit um, trying to give people a, a, a context for where i'm at in the movie yep sticky boys equals context got it <laughs> i mean before that in a way um no i think it is it is interesting that you say that because uh this movie i think 
hits me in a way that I don't know that any of the other Spider-Man movies, I've enjoyed a lot of the other Spider-Man movies. I don't think any of them have really done for me what this movie did, which is make me feel like I'm watching a movie that evokes the comics or at least what I enjoy about the comics. Uh, maybe it's a better way to put it. Um, you know, I, we've, you can go back and listen to our reviews of, uh, the other, however many Spider-Man movies, um, and into the Spider-Verse is kind of its own special podium. Yeah. Uh, but the, the rest of the live action ones are, you know, they kind of, I think range in quality and often just do not land on what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man in a lot of ways. They, they like, I think the, with the Raimi movies, they, they really kind of sit in the same vibe as the sixties era Spider-Man and don't really evolve to explore a lot of the other really interesting things. I'm not a huge fan of Tobey Maguire in those movies necessarily, uh, as much as we do meme about him and enjoy the idea of him and he is fun in this uh and then um andrew garfield i think is very 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 good as spider-man and the movies don't quite let him let him free enough to do that in a lot of a lot of cases i kind of feel like he gets more chances to be just spider-man in this than uh maybe the past two part of that is also that i don't like the amazing spider-man one costume um we could sit here a while and explore all my thoughts about Spider-Man. The long story short is that I don't have a ton of investment in these characters. And even Tom Holland's Spider-Man, I I really enjoy seeing a, a young Spider-Man taking up the mantle. I don't necessarily... I think until now, I haven't really vibed with him as like, okay, this is like my Spider-Man. I've been like, this is another good take on Spider-Man. I'm okay with this take on Spider-Man. Um... This, I think, finally hits, like, the gear I was looking for. Uh, and we can get into some of the reasons why I feel that way. Um, definitely, it is it is a messy movie. There's 15 characters to keep track of. Yeah. It's not quite true, but there's a lot of characters to, like, keep track of that you kind of have to... You have to know, and I think uh, not to, like, uh, Alex, circumvent your your thoughts and the, and the many things that I'm sure you want to get into... Uh, I think on a broad level, you have to sort of let the continuity of the other movies be slippery in your brain and just yeah. be like, these are the characters from those movies. Don't think about it too hard. Yeah, They're here now. They're doing a thing. And roll with it. Um, and I think on that level, it's it's chaotic and, and there's quite a lot going on, but also... Tom Holland's Peter Parker is really at the center of it. And even though uh, there are other like performances and characters that are kind of stealing some of the stage, his character and what his character goes through is really, really strong and forefront. Um, and I think by the end of the movie leaves him in such an interesting place that we'll get into and talk about. Uh, I, I just think it's, it's really effective in that regard. Um, and a really interesting way to get him there, considering you know, the Spider-Man is baked into the Marvel Comics universe. Like, that Spider-Man is, he's hes right there alongside the Avengers, kind of in, in the first two or three years. He's just one of the heroes. He's always been a loner. He's always been beside all the other heroes going on, and, and he's just doing his own thing. And so he has all this kind of baked-in history. 
where this is you're introducing this character later into the series so you're having to kind of figure out how to get him to the the place you want him to be um from like a motivational standpoint when there's all this crazy stuff going on there's multiverse stuff he's been through in game like you have to navigate getting him to the spider-man that you want to see from being just a kid who has no idea what he's doing uh and i think it does a really good job of that of making like i i think that's why i kind of resisted him a lot uh for much of the movie and or for much of the previous movies in terms of being like this is the spider-man i'm all in on uh and i think this finally gets us there so we'll we'll dive into some of the key points that deal with that but i think ultimately that's that's my takeaway from this yeah alex you said that garfield is your favorite live action spider-man right yeah all right. Yeah. All right. And I, uh, I, I've been Britain. <laughs> and I, I still hold to that. Yeah. I think that's probably, I think from a performance standpoint, it's hard to argue. Like it's, that's just, he just embodies the character really well. And it would be lovely if he had a movie that really sold him to me as like the, literally the end of amazing Spider-Man two is still one of the top Spider-Man movements. Like for me in any movie, uh, I yeah. just think him him the the way he talks to Rhino, uh, the music swelling, how he interacts with the little kid at the end there. Like, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look at that clip because I think it's a lovely, lovely clip, uh, uh and just a little scene where it's like, <laughs> it, that's a Spider Man. Okay, I think he finally got Spider Man what he, where he wants him to be. Too bad, uh, or where I want him to be. Too bad you're not going to get a sequel to that movie. So, <laughs> I yeah. don't get any more of that. Yeah, and I've got a weird bias towards the first Amazing Spider-Man. I I enjoy that movie probably far more than it deserves. I don't know, um, but that is, that is one of my favorites. Um, just overall thoughts on this. Um, I think this is one of those movies that, despite all my reservations for it, I think it's a movie that works almost in spite of itself. Like it's one of those films where, especially if you listen to like the behind the scenes stuff, and apparently they were like rewriting it on the fly and toby mcguire and andrew garfield were late additions and they weren't even sure they wanted to do the multiverse uh plot until kind of late in the game um it just sounds like it was a huge mess of a production and by the time you actually watch the film it's like wow this actually yeah it's reasonably cohesive mm -hmm. given all that um so i definitely give it points there um i i just you know, obviously, I I wasn't the biggest fan of Far From Home, and you know, we we kind of hashed that out a couple of years ago or whenever we did that episode. Um, so you can go back and listen to that. And I would say some of my reservations that I had towards that movie still hold up in this. Um, but I I do agree on some level, Tyler. I think this gave me more of what I would want from a Spider-Man movie. Um, but I've got. Unfortunately, the trusty list of misgivings has returned, um, but by no means is this a bad movie. I'll put it like that. Yeah. Where would we like to start? Because there's there's a lot. That, that it's a it's yeah. a big movie. You can we can we can just start by knocking them off your list, and then I can try and uh, save the day by talking about why I love this movie. <laughs> I don't, this movie, I don't know. We'll have to talk through it a bit some for me to, I think, crystallize exactly how I feel about it, having watched it twice now, compared to the the upper echelon of Marvel movies. 
Um, we can get into that at the end. Well, I guess uh, I don't want to just start with like small stuff because it kind of just goes all sure. all over the place in terms of scale. Um, well, I, let's start with like the central conceit of the movie. So the whole idea is that after you know Peter's identity gets revealed by Mysterio at the end of the last movie, um, now his identity is revealed and it's basically ruining his life. Um, and so he ends up going to Doctor Strange, and Strange tries casting a spell to um make everyone forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and because Peter keeps interjecting with um uh exclusions that he wants to add to the spell it ultimately kind of screws everything up and causes um people from different universes to start popping in which is why we get the villains from the previous Spider-Man movies and then we get uh Toby and Andrew later on um this is one of those things where I just I, I don't I don't really like the conceit because I, I feel like it makes Peter and Doctor Strange kind of into dummies. Um, so, well, go ahead. Sorry, I don't mean to immediately. Just the speed with which they immediately go to. We're just going to cast a spell. It'll be fine. And I feel like Doctor Strange and the movie does try and have throwaway lines to address this because um, after that and when Strange is. Um, kind of uh talking him down he's like you know you you changed my spell you know so many times it, it ruined it and then he goes well i just for i always forget you know even though we've been through all this stuff together and we both died um you're still just a kid so fair but also i've seen this spider-man kind of grow and develop and especially after doing something as stupid as giving mysterio the start glasses in the last movie which i already had a problem with that just kind of like giving no thought to the spell before it's even cast like and then dr strange also not going maybe you can take like a day to think about it and you know also i'm sure you do have loved ones that you probably need to have remember your identity so i don't know the, the conceit for me is flimsy and the fact that it's all based in magic which personal preference i just that seems not a very spider-man thing to do um, I feel like if they, and maybe this is just, they didn't want to do the Spider-Verse route. Cause that is a, you know, it's like a particle accelerator that the Kingpin yeah. is using in that. Um, maybe they just wanted to do something different and they're like, Hey, we've got Dr. Strange. Let's do something with that. They've met before. Um, but a lot of that stuff just doesn't really work for me. And I feel like both characters are acting. I don't know if they're acting out of character. I don't know. I don't know. The, so, Do Doctor Strange, I think that that to me is a bigger hole for him. I, 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 the Peter part of it doesn't bother me as much because you know growth isn't linear, and like I, it it does feel like a bit of a push, um, for him to, for his first thought to be, wow, this isn't. I didn't get into MIT. Things aren't great. I'll do magic. I'll do a magic as opposed to, oh, I'll call the admissions office and do all this other stuff. And it, it didn't bother me because if I was an 18 year old who had superpowers and knew a bunch of superpowered people, like when you have superpowers, everything looks like, oh, there's a superpower solution to this. Right. And sure. and even though, yes, I think by the if this was the first movie that would make a lot more sense for him to do this as opposed to he's been Spider-Man for several years. He's gone up against uh, Thanos, and uh, that's it. And all this, all this stuff that you would figure he's, you know, a little, a little wiser. But 
that that was a a suspension of disbelief that I was more willing to make. Doctor Strange does seem a little odd that he, like you said, wouldn't go. Take a day. Are you sure you don't hang on a minute? Like, not not just in terms of the cosmic geometry is not is so you shouldn't revel uh, uh, meddle with it, but just to say, for you from a personal standpoint, is this what you want? Does seem a little more. But I also we. There, there's another Doctor Strange story out there right now that I think addresses some of the growth that that character had to go through. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think I, like a lot of people, I think raise this as a, a problem in the fact that, oh, well, the movie only happens because of this, like, thing that they've, where they just, like, hastily try and perform the spell. Which is true, but I think uh, the, what really, like, kind of makes it work for me is that there wouldn't really be a movie if Peter didn't make the choice to help the villains that come back. Uh, that's still necessary to actually extend the action because they, they pretty handily kind of wrap everyone up and it would just be like, oh, here is this like little misadventure. We got everybody back in one place. We're going to send them all back. There we go. If Peter didn't decide, wait, I want to try and help these villains and see if we can like send them back so that they can actually survive when they get back to their universe. Um, I think that kind of changes everything where it's, it's more that it's a very Spider-Man moral of, okay, I, I found about, found out about this thing. I could have just ignored it and kept going. Uh, but instead I kind of stuck myself into that situation and made it worse for myself, but ultimately better for the people I was trying to help. Um, so I like I think that's why that doesn't stick with me too much as as an issue. Like it would be one thing if the villains just showed up and everything went crazy from there, and like the spell continued to break or something like that. Um, but yeah. it's only because he's prevents the spell from being activated and sending everyone back or whatever Doctor Strange is going to do. And then obviously Green Goblet blows it up at, his, at the end and unleashes it upon the world. Uh, so I think that works better. Um, that there is still a character choice that has to be made in order to actually make that be anything more than, that was kind of a dumb thing we did. We we should have known better. Okay, well, let's move on. <laughs> like it, it causes him to end up having to make a decision. I do appreciate that ultimately it does kind of feed into the... Um the normal Spider-Man thing of like clean up your own mess. Um, so I, I like that, but at the same time, like I watched the opening Doc Ock bridge sequence and he's saving the MIT lady and she's like, you're a hero and I'm going to get you and your friends back into MIT. And she's just like, she's just throwing heaps of praise at him. And I'm like, it's his fault that this happened, that you almost died. Like he doesn't deserve any praise for this. She also doesn't know <laughs> that though. I, I know I'm talking as an audience. Member. Yeah, but I also don't think that the movie is praising. I think the movie is like in this in the vacuum of this experience. And if anything, it makes it it makes him feel guilty that he's like, oh, God, she thinks I'm incredible. But I've this is only happening because of me. Sure. And the movie does call him out on being a dummy because, you know, strange is like you didn't try and talk to admissions like what is wrong with you. And also MJ. And I forgot that this scene happened where kind of after he reveals that, yes, we tried to use magic to fix, fix this situation. She's like, you know, maybe next time you can run this by me and Ned, 
That way, yeah. you know, we're a team. We can kind of operate as a team. Maybe yeah. that's the more mature thing to do. And I'm like, I, I, I like all that stuff. And I think all of that stuff makes sense as character responses to this thing happening. I just don't completely buy the thing happening. Sure. I don't know. And the fact that, you know, Tyler does lead into other things, but I I think it, the fact that the movie does initially hinge on this happening, that kind of bothers me and affects the rest of it. That's just me. Shall we move on? <laughs> um, I guess the next bit that I want to talk about is just kind of the villains getting pulled in. And Tyler, I know you've already kind of addressed this. Um, the uh, continuity... It's sure. not like completely thrown out the window in terms of villains getting pulled from what time. And I, I do think it tries to be consistent with that stuff for the most part. But it seems to me that the it, it's a little muddled in terms of when the villains are pulled and just how much they know or remember from their universe. Because um, like do, the, the idea seems to be that the villains get pulled at the moment that they discover that their universe is Peter Parker as Spider-Man, because that is what the spell is hinged on. We can talk about why the Spider-Men from the other universes are pulled in, because that, I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but, like, we start with Doc Ock, and he seems very confused, and he still thinks that Peter has the, you know, he's destroying the big um, uh, fusion reactor at the end of Spider-Man 2, which I don't know why Doc Ock isn't asking, like, why am I at a completely different location? Why are you in a different suit? Like, he's not asking any of those questions. He's just like, where's the machine? Um, Fog of war, and then, And then also, if you go back to the scene where he does find out that Peter's Spider-Man, um, it's after Spider-Man has kind of beaten him up a little bit, and he's, like, in a pool of water, and his um, tentacles are, like, disabled by water. So basically, he's just covered in water. And then he shows up in this and he's like completely dry and stuff. And I think he had lost his glasses by that point and he's got him back in this. And it's fine. It's the iconography, whatever. Um, but then also, that's right at the moment where he's mentally beating the arms. Like that's right. And I guess it's right before Peter gives his little speech about like, oh, you know, sometimes you have to give up on the things you want the most. And that's character arc. Um, but... I, I don't know, that that seemed a little weird, and they don't really, uh, it's kind of a, you have to check on Electro and why he knows that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Apparently the idea is that in Amazing Spider-Man 2, right as he gets destroyed in the big electrical machine, whatever, um, he basically connects with the internet and, like, becomes omniscient or something, and that somehow makes him understand that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Um, that seems like a very flimsy thing. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think it just comes down to there's too many villains in this. I think, um, particularly with, uh, the fact that they couldn't get back Thomas Hayden Church or Reese Fons, um, the fact that they're just doing voice work and just, just don't have them in the movie. Just have like three or four villains and leave it at that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the previous stuff, and obviously I haven't seen, I, I wouldn't have known about the original movies, and but that stuff didn't bother me. Um, sure. I do think fewer villains could, could help a little bit, but, you know, I, whatever. And let me, let me be clear, I think for the most part, the performances are all great across mm -hmm. the board. 
Um, yeah. Even the people that I thought were not great in previous movies. Like, I wasn't a big fan of Jamie Foxx's Electro. I just thought tonally they had no idea what they were doing with that character and that there was something interesting there. They just didn't know how to execute it properly. Um, and in this one, they kind of just go, Jamie Foxx, you're just normal now. <laughs> um, you're just kind of normal bad guy, uh, which is it's fine. Um, but yeah, obviously, Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Yeah. I mean, I know you guys probably want to have your says on that, but they're they're absolutely wonderful. And I kind of wish Willem Dafoe was in more of the movie, especially in terms of building a relationship with Tom Holland, Spider-Man, because um, he kind of becomes his arch nemesis in this movie. And I don't know if that's earned. <laughs> uh Is is this an awkward silence of we're trying to think of how to reply to all that because I just like word vomited stuff or is that a move on with the list, buddy? I Meh. I just I will have to talk off mic, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking how our friendship can go on. Our uh, studio guys are telling us uh, move along. All right, <laughs> uh, I guess we'll keep that going. No, I, uh, I Jamie think... Fox in Amazing Spider-Man Two is the reason I became a podcaster, and to hear you besmirch him this way look i was just upset the dr kafka from amazing spider-man 2 didn't show up that's 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 really what this whole grudge against these movies is about where's the uh main mcu universe dr kafka what's he up to yeah also who's dr kafka is he like researcher miguel from resident evil the evil, Probably, I don't know. vaguely German mad scientist, um, when Electro is, like, put in prison, he's, like, watching over him. It's, it's, uh, it, that's the scene where he goes, don't you know, I'm Electro. Okay, um, I'm looking at a picture of him, this guy rings zero bells, but he does have quite a face. Oh, Martin <laughs> Chokas, okay, oh, I know this actor. Yes, yeah. Cool, all right. Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I uh, would, I don't know, I mean, I feel like the main thing I would have to, because again, I just, I, this is just not context I have other than I, I like Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina. Sure. Um, I guess that the next kind of big complaint I have about the movie, and this has been kind of building through all of the Spider-Man movies, um, the MCU Spider-Man movies, um... So I guess Uncle Ben's death either didn't happen or doesn't mean anything in this universe because we kind of just use Aunt May's death as the great with great power comes great responsibility lesson. Um, which, yeah, I think at a certain point, I I, I kind of had to kind of step away from it and go, this is just a different interpretation. Just like you either go with it or you don't. And I was trying to go with it. Um, but I obviously I've been complaining about that since the beginning. I need I needed some sort of confirmation that, yes, Uncle Ben did die. And that was a huge tragic event for Peter. And that caused him to be Spider-Man. Um, and that is not really addressed in this. And the fact that they really try and build up you no know, Aunt May and kind of her moral code is what inspired Spider-Man. Um it feels just weirdly retconny, and it's like you guys didn't want to deal with the issue, and you're trying to deal with it at the last second. I I feel like what might have helped because I don't even know if this is 
the truth, but it's very possible that Uncle Ben never existed in this universe, that Aunt May is his mom or dad's sister, and she was just a single lady. Um, and, yeah, true. you know, that, that she just never married a Ben, and so he never had that that relationship. But in which case it would have been helpful for there to have been some kind of confirmation about like, or, you know, maybe having some line in some movie about like, oh, you know, your brother and I, or your dad and I, when we were growing up, da, 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 and I never got married. And And this is, I think, something that like, there's definitely like pros and cons to laying the track for this universe, like as they, as they are going along it. Um, because there is a line in Civil War where, uh, I think it's, I think Tony Stark is talking to Peter and Peter's like, well, you know, I found out he's, he talks around great power, great responsibility. He's like, I found out that if you, yeah, uh, if you can do the, the things that will help people and you don't do those things and people get hurt, that's on you. Like there's a line that's very clearly like, okay, we're kind of thinking there's going to be some sort of flashback to uncle ben at some point or we're going to kind of get some more context on that and they never really fill that in um we kind of just continue along in the spider-man movies as if that's not really a thing i'm i don't know if i'm forgetting any other references in like homecoming in far from home the suitcase that he has has ben's initials on it and that's it okay does, does it say bp yeah it might just be from his favorite gas station that's true. I mean, I was gonna say like it could mean anything. Like yeah, it doesn't yeah. have to mean Uncle or it could Ben, be which is why I find it frustrating. Yeah. He could have a, a grandfather Ben. He could have uh, the actor Bryce Pinkham. Might have have his has his briefcase. Yeah. yeah. And that's all the initials for Big Pete for BP. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I will also say just while we're on the subject, I I respect this movie for killing Aunt May. Not because I necessarily wanted Aunt May to die. I wasn't thinking about it. But I wasn't something that I was expecting. I was not... Because the only thought I really put into the Uncle Ben component is when the first... When Homecoming came out going, oh, cool, we don't have to go through the origin story again. We don't have to sure. watch the... Oh, cool, we're just... He's already here. Which was one of the things that at the time was very convenient, but has since created questions. Um, but I, I was... Um, I, I was impressed that the movie was like, no, we're 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 gonna kill her. Like, she she's dead, and that's what it is. Like, I I, I don't know. I, I I guess I'm just so used to movies not taking risks like that that I was I was impressed that they did it. Yeah, no, and I I think that with the story they're trying to tell, that all makes sense to me. I just. I mean, I, I don't know if this is more the fault of this movie or the fault of the previous movies for not laying down the right foundation. Sure. Um, but, you know, I think it's a good death scene and, you know, Marissa Tomei is, is absolutely wonderful and it's great whenever she just has things to do. Um, but her death didn't carry all that much weight for me and I feel like that's just due to her lack of screen time in these movies. Um, like, they do talk a little bit in the last movie about how she does kind of have is it called Feast, Tyler? Her, um... Yeah. Um, it's kind like, of her, her non-profit business that's me meant to help. Um, is it specifically for homeless folks, or is it just generally forget, impoverished it, people? It is in the comics, I think that's the idea, but I'm, I'm not 100% sure. It's okay. like a homeless shelter, basically. Yeah. Um, 
and we have we finally get to see that in this and i think in the last one it was like they show some sort of um party or something where they, they receive like a large donation um but i feel like her relationship with peter isn't built up all that well and the fact that basically everything peter does is like so inspired by her moral code and that's the thing that green goblin is chastising him for of like you just listen to whatever she does and she wants you to to not accept your true self and be a god or whatever and i'm like this kind of came out of nowhere i i really wish this had started in the the at least in homecoming um if not somehow in civil war uh that stuff and it's one of those things where it's just like there's too much stuff in this movie. Maybe if you did cut out two or three villains, maybe you would have had more time. And I wouldn't have thought it was as kind of heavy handed as it was trying to shove that in here. Um, but this movie's trying to tick a lot of boxes and I just feel like it didn't it didn't do it as successfully as I would have wanted. Sure. What's next? Um my next thing is that Ned having magical powers is annoying and I'm I'm tired of characters just kind of getting powers and stuff without putting in the work. Um, I saw Doctor Strange. They specifically talk about how it takes years of practice to get good at magic and Ned's just good with it and I, I didn't like that. And it, and it is played for jokes and that made it more frustrating to me. Yeah, Ned is a character I've struggled to attach to anyway, so. It, that did really feel like, oh, we have to give this actor something to do because right, people right. like him. And I do like Ned, um, but I feel like, particularly when they do talk about he's the guy in the chair, make him the guy in the chair. Right. Have him do things on the computer. Have him typing away on the keyboard. Oh, I got to hack the thing. Oh, I'm on your comms all the time. Not... I've got a sling ring and I can use it with zero experience because my grandmother is magical. Do you think it would have been better ah. if at the end of this movie, uh, Willem Dafoe had shown up at Jacob's door and shot him in the spine? And yep. then he was wearing like a, like a big hat and a Hawaiian shirt and he took a picture, yes. I think. Yes, please. Yeah. And then in the next one, uh, uh, he becomes uh, uh, like oversight or whatever is his name. Okay, I I wouldn't have wanted that, but I do want the picture of Willem Dafoe in that outfit. Yes, <laughs> maybe even ask the Joker. Um, I I feel like that's a that's a nitpick. Uh, I think that it's fun, and also he's bad at using the sling ring and fails multiple times. Um, I think it's cute. Plus, you got the portals callback. It's like, oh, here's more surprising people coming through a portal. Um, they're they're hearkening back to to what went on in game so i don't i think that's fun i don't think there would have been time for him to really be kind of the guy in the chair uh i imagine they'll do more with him but maybe not maybe that'll just be like oh here's a silly fun like one-off thing i think the movie's tone allows that to be acceptable and i don't think he's going to be like the sorcerer supreme in <laughs> 10 years or whatever i think that's just kind of a a fun thing that happened in this Sure. I just, I thought it was a little too inconsistent with the rules they had set up. 
Um, and I guess that, that feeds into my, my kind of last major point. I think the rest of it is mostly just nitpicking. So I think that's when we can actually get into positives. So I apologize for all of this. Um, I think ultimately the, and Tyler, please try and explain this to me again. Cause you tried to, when we watched it and I, I still wasn't sold on this. I feel like the overall spell logic and particularly at the end, the kind of magic spell that's supposed to fix everything doesn't make sense to me um and once again it's a situation where i know they're under the gun because like universes are caving in on them um but it still feels like maybe we can take a quick breather and and talk with everyone about this hey toby andrew what are y'all's thoughts on this i'm about to make a pretty big moral decision here and you guys seem to have had a few rounds with that sort of thing um I know he talks to um, MJ and Ned first, so that was nice. At least that, there was something there. But so the idea is that the universes are caving in. Right. There's like basically all the universes are converging on on them with people that know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. Yes. Um. So that's just causing a whole bunch of imbalance in their universe. And so Peter asks, well, can we not just cast the same spell again to be like people forget that Peter Parker is Spider-Man? And Doctor Strange says, no, it's too late for that, which he doesn't really expound on. Right, Tyler? I think he kind of just leaves it at that. Right. To my knowledge. And then Peter goes, well, how about we just make everyone forget about Peter Parker? Right. Um, And I feel like this is like, give it 30 seconds of thought. You can come up with a better spell. <laughs> and why can't you just use the same spell and just like fix everything? So, and also, why can you not then say, okay, if I'm going to – because we showed that you can add disclaimers to spells. You can't – you just can't do it in the middle of them being cast. Just say, hey, Doctor Strange, make everyone forget that Peter Parker exists except for the two people down there and maybe John Favreau. So the idea, I think, behind this spell being altered is like the more stipulations you put on that, then the more unstable it gets. And so even just that spell happening allowed for the villains and for the other Spider-Men to come in. Um, and then is it the additional stipulations or is it adding onto them while the spell is being cast? Because that's the way the Dr. Strange frames it when they mess it up the first time. He's like, you changed it six times in the middle of me casting it. Maybe it is, but either way, I think, and let me explain this, and then I'm going to say why I don't think this logic is going to help you, and also why I think it's very similar to another argument we've had before. Uh, teaser. Sounds good. Um, I, I, I will shut up. <laughs> the, uh, I think the idea is, like, Green Goblin blows up the spell, which is great. I love that little bit where uh, Strange is about to unleash, the, or not unleash, but, like, basically cause a spell to disappear so that everyone goes back. Um, and instead, Green Goblin stuck a goblin bomb in it and it blows up. That's great. Um, there, there's a great slow-mo shot of everyone kind of realizing what happened a moment before Strange does. Um, and then that unleashes the spell. And this spell, which had been contained, is drawing everyone who knows Peter Parker to this universe. And so... the Or sorry, everyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man to this universe. Like everyone who knows that connection... And so my understanding of, I mean, for one, like Dr. Strange says, the spell's not going to work if you do it again, which is kind of like, 
you kind of just have to take him at his word for that. It's magic. But I think it makes sense on the sense of like anything they could do at that point would be a band-aid because there's giant cracks in the universe that are that are coming here and converging upon this location. And the reason that uh, the spell to wipe out Peter Parker works is basically like it's like if you're if uh, if Craven the Hunter uh, was was tracking uh, was tracking Spider-Man. Uh, no, but it, I think it's like basically they're tracking this thing. If this thing disappears, they're not going to keep tracking it. So instead of like trying to sniff out, OK, there's a Peter Parker who is Spider-Man in this universe, then that I mean, I guess that's the logic I would say is that they're aware there is a Peter Parker who is Spider-Man in this universe. That's what's pulling everyone in to the world. Um, if Peter Parker no longer exists for all intents and purposes in this world, there's nothing to track down. Cause it's like, Oh, well, we like, it's not even like that's being hidden. It's like, there is no Peter Parker. Okay. Well, I guess we got to leave. Um, to me, it makes sense. I think it's just like, it has to be such a, in order to counteract how badly the first spell is gone, it has to be just this giant, like sweeping clean, wipe the slate clean thing. And I think that's also why it makes sense that there's, there can't be stipulations on it. Cause then that would still leave a crack and a chance for the, I mean, it's not actually things coming to look for Peter Parker, but the things that are through the lines of magic being drawn to this universe, because Peter Parker is Spider-Man and that spell has triggered everyone or everything to like have that scent. Um, I think it makes sense in that regard. My bigger point on this is that if you will recall our last Jedi discussion, um, we had a conversation about how essentially the movie has, and I forget the exact logistics of this, but the movie has lines where characters tell you like, this is how much fuel we have left. This is how we have to achieve this goal. Like we are in a ship, we're traveling this way. This is what we have to do in order to escape from here to here. This is how like, we have to, you know, use our, our fuel lines. This is how close these planets are. Like, there are characters who tell you what the logistics are. And you can question those logistics, but the movie is telling you, this is what we're saying. Don't worry about it. And you kind of just have to either say, okay, fine, or continue to worry about it. <laughs> like, I think that that's, like, where this lands, is that Doctor Strange is saying, there's no other way. And then Peter Parker is saying okay, you have to, uh, you know, totally make everyone forget me. And Dr. Strange is like, okay, that could work. Like that's to me is the ultimate, ultimately where I land on that is like, if the movie characters are telling me that's the case, then I'll just roll with it because it's magic. And they definitely aren't using like hard rules of magic in this universe anyway. Uh, it's very uh, wispy and can, can be used in a variety of fashions. So that's ultimately why it doesn't bother me. I think it tracks well enough uh, the way it's it's laid out, but I am drawing some lines there that it's not explicitly laying out. It's just up front saying, roll with it. <laughs> so that's the... You know, it's, it's like how they had to make Yoda say uh, Darth Vader is Luke's father in, uh, in Return of the Jedi. It's like, you, you gotta just have the authority figure tell you how it is, <laughs> and then you can accept it. Uh. <laughs> Alex, would you maybe have felt better if Doctor Strange was played by Donald Pleasance saying, you changed it six times? 
I'm imagining Donald Pleasance in the Loomis costume, but he's got the red cape. That's, <laughs> that's good fun. Um, I bet, yeah, I bet I, Aunt I, May I, is giving Michael Myers some real trouble <laughs> right now, huh? In the afterlife. <laughs> Tyler, I get what you're saying. I think for me, it, it comes down to this is like, this is where Peter's arc has led to, and this is the, the climax of the movie, and I need it to be more clear than it is. Um, that's, that's, I, obviously your mileage will, will vary some, you know, some people, obviously 98% of the people that watch this movie are able to take the movie on those terms. It's, it's just too funny. You know, for me. That could be, that could be 98% of people. And they were all like, well, this movie's like a seven out of 10 and it lost three points. Cause the magic doesn't make any sense. It, it <laughs> sure. could be, it could be that. Um, no, I think that is a good jumping off point for why I really like this movie. Uh, in I, I, I mean, I agree, like, I think a lot of the things you've raised are valid things to be like, wow, that was just sort of uh, done because the script wanted it to be done. But the reason the script wanted it to be done is because it is such a powerful, like, foundation for this Peter Parker to have gone through this journey that we can, like, fully see on the screen. Um, it Like, the the fact that Again, the, I mean, first, just going back to the spell originally, uh, when that goes wrong, and then uh, Dr. Strange is like, go call them. What are you doing? Uh, he goes and does, he goes and tracks down the admissions lady and says, like, don't reconsider me. Ju- I just want you to care about um, uh, Ned and MJ. Like, you know, they, they were just trying to help, you know, they, they would have. Uh, put a lot of people in danger if they hadn't like it's not their fault you should you should let them in uh and then he he is a hero he does a hero thing and he saves her from dr octopus and then it's like all right cool uh you you can all get in great and so that's like a night a nice neat neat little lesson for peter of all right you've you've realized that sometimes you can put things right you don't have to hit the reset button like it will work out if you just like push on through your life sucking like that's, that's a very spider-man uh spider-man approach to things and then um kind of the larger arc of the movie obviously is about the fact that aunt may is telling him you know if you send these villains back exactly as they are they'll die uh if you you know attempt to try to help them overcome some of these things that they're dealing with maybe you'll be able to you know give them a better chance at at surviving in their world maybe they'll be better people in their world if they do survive you know like give give them that second chance like what are you doing peter be, maybe be a good maybe norman will go back into into the thanksgiving dinner and he'll cut the turkey yeah that's what i'm saying like he threatened to <laughs> yeah um and so i think that and ultimately it doesn't take her dying to convince him it's like she kind of gets in his ear about it and he's like, you know what? I'm going to try this. She's like, she's right. Um, I I have to try and do the right thing here. And he does. And then in her dying, she's still like, you did the right thing. Don't let this change anything. Like continue to be who you are. Um, which again, I do, I do appreciate the pacing of that scene. I like that. She, tells him all of this before he realizes oh she's dying yeah because i feel like if it was like a dying breath uh with great power comes great response like it would have been muddled yes yes and now it's like okay he's taking this 
these words at face value, he's, he agrees with her, then he realizes, oh crap, she died. All those words now have more meaning. Um, and that means that, again, he's had this this much larger lesson of, here's a really terrible thing that just happened to you. Don't let it stop you from doing what you know is right. Like, don't let it stop you from continuing to push through and, and kind of have a determination to be the man you want to be. Um, and obviously that kind of ties into a, the end where he almost kills goblin, but then he's like in revenge. But then he's like, no, I'm going to stick to what may would have wanted. I'm going to cure him. Uh, we got to talk a little bit about Willow Defoe because dear Lord, uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't have quite as much to do in the movie on a second viewing as I felt like he did on the first, but that's probably just because of how much of an impact he left with me on the first viewing. Uh, cause man, he is a good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we do get to that end scene where he's like, I have just gone from this one extreme where everybody found out who I was and it totally sort of ruined my life. I fought through it. Um, I, I, you know, have lost a ton. Like he's already lost Tony Stark uh, before this. Like he's already not, you know, in, in the best place in general. Uh, he's, he's lost some, some mentors, um, He's lost like resources in terms of some starts tech, things like that. So he's already kind of on this path of being stripped away of everything that uh, that he's relied on that's helped him be a hero. And then he gets to this point and says, I will literally throw it all away if it will save the universe. Like I will completely up in my life. Like I'll, I'll throw away my, my relationships. I know it will hurt. It won't hurt my friends because they won't know a thing, but like they don't want to lose this relationship. Uh, Doctor Strange doesn't want to lose this relationship with Spider-Man. Like, I don't know. I just think that that is, uh, it's a really great choice to make Peter Parker make. Again, it's a very Spider-Man thing. It's a very, oh yeah, you just have to like do the thing that sucks, man. (laughs) And he does. And uh, we end the movie with him kind of totally stranded. We can talk about the end scene. Maybe we'll put up into that because I just talked a lot. Um, but the end scene with him and Zendaya. Uh, but basically he ends the movie like, all right, I've, I've thrown it all away. I'm going to start from the ground up. I'm knitting my own costume. I'm going to be a hero, you know, kind of with no, uh, no like things propping me up. I have no safety net. I've just, I've, I've totally, you know, I'm somehow affording an apartment that probably is $5,000 a month. Uh, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a hero and I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure it out. Um, it's a really, like, it's, it's the kind of thing that really helps the character mature, uh, up for, like, doing some storylines that I'm, I'm assuming some darker storylines they might want to do. Um, I think there is something to be said about the fact that they waited until now to really kind of make this happen. Uh, and, and hit that next gear with who Spider-Man is, but um, like I, it's it is the kind of thing where it's like, did you really need three movies to tell this story? Uh, and I don't know that necessarily you did. Again, this is a multiverse, cinematic universe thingamajig that they are kind of just going along, uh, and and lopping on one movie at a time. So I get that not every arc is going to be clean and straightforward. Um. But ultimately, I like where we leave Spider-Man. That's that's my main point. Yep. And with hopefully only one suit. 
seems like it. I know that yeah, I've been a- like nitpicking about this. It just the only reason it annoyed me was that in Far From Home, it felt like every single scene he had a different suit, <laughs> so yeah. I could like never appreciate any of his suits. Because I don't know. It's 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 my own little bit of nitpicking. I I agree with you there, Britton. And and the sad part is like I don't think any of I I personally don't like any of his suits until literally the last one he gets in this movie. And even then, I don't feel like we get a clear enough shot of it. <laughs> sure. I. I almost do feel like that is the point uh, in this movie specifically. I think in the last mo- in the last few movies, they were kind of just messing around and being like, ah, he's got this suit. He's got an iron suit. Um, I think this one really ratchets that up to be like, this is a Spider-Man who is uh, relying a lot on other people's things. Sure, <laughs> and sure. Yeah. We're, we're yeah, left that, with point. him at the end, sort of totally taking responsibility for himself. Yeah, that's a good. Point. Um, <clears throat> taking great responsibility uh- for himself. Um, I, I did want to touch on one thing that I, I liked more of. I think one thing that I've criticized, um, particularly um, these these uh, Spider-Man movies, the last couple for, is just kind of the flat um, filmmaking. Like, I, I don't feel like there's any sort of excitement or energy to how they're shot. And I felt like this one had a little bit more energy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not quite where I want it to be, but I felt like there's a lot of interesting like one takes like I'm thinking specifically the opening where Peter and Zendaya, they get back to um, his apartment and Aunt May and uh, happy walk in on them. And then it's just, it's just this wonderful one take where they just kind of go around the apartment as all this chaos is going on as he's trying to tell them guys that everyone knows who I am. Um, It's a wonderful scene. And I felt like there were, it wasn't quite enough to be like, oh, John Watts, like his his vision is here. Like I can tell this is a John Watts film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't quite like that. It felt more like experimenting. Yeah. But, you know, we're getting there. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> Maybe also, in three more movies. Also appreciated. Well, yeah. It also doesn't help that we did just see um, Multiverse of Madness, and we're not going to fully delve into that, but that is a Sam Raimi movie, and it feels like a Sam Raimi movie. So um yeah and yeah uh i after watching this in theaters i was like you know what i'm okay with john watts as the fantastic four director i was kind of uh not totally sure about that this definitely made me feel like that was a better possibility but then he's uh since announced that he was stepping away from that um i think doing a star wars show now and apparently taking some time off i'm gonna do a spider-man again at some point um, Britain, you sounded so excited with that <laughs> Oh man, uh, listen, guy men who like Star Wars and 80s coming of age movies have too long not had their voice heard in Hollywood. <laughs> Finally, I'm going to see something fresh and original. That is that is the Star Wars show he's doing. He's doing Stranger Things in Star Wars. Um <laughs> It sure sounds like it at least. Yeah. Uh, no, it does. That's why I'm laughing cuz it's true. Yeah. Uh, maybe it'll be it. Maybe it'll get now weird. That, <laughs> that would be fun. Maybe we'll go places. Pennywise, okay, the so Rancor. <laughs> here's here's my pitch. What happens when a Sith becomes a Force ghost? Darth Maul. There we go. Let's let let's make him Pennywise. Let's do it. Yeah. If I he doesn't, I I wonder if they have the courage to make the Force Ranger things kids just Ewoks in this. It's just four Ewoks <laughs> dealing with a scary clown. And, and they, they go back, they pull uh, from the well that is the Star Wars holiday special, and they're like, the Ewoks aren't speaking English. It's all subtitled. Yeah. No, 
the no, the holiday special isn't even subtitled. It's just an hour of Wookiees talking to each other, and you don't know what they're saying. Itchy doesn't need words. <laughs> he really doesn't. <laughs> Actions speak louder than words, <laughs> and itches speak louder than all. <laughs> um, but anyway, Tyler, yeah, uh, I I agree about. Yeah, I, I thought this movie was was slickly directed, and you know, a lot of hay has been made of the d- Marvel directors don't actually direct the action sequences and all that business. Um, but I think, like you said, even outside of the action sequences, like it was a tidally directed movie. I think I think it's a nice one for John Watts to go out on. You know, mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I I feel good about it. Yeah. I, I am still disappointed with the action scenes themselves. I still feel like they're not quite where I want them to be. Um, I feel like the fact that the three Spider-Men fighting all of these villains, that's not the most interesting action scene in the film. I think that's kind of a problem. Yeah. yeah. That it's, should be the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it's it's, it's fine. It's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I like it. It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to have everyone like passing off the items and being like, yeah. And being like, oh, hey, you know, we've got the uh, the thing to cure the lizard over here. I'm going to chuck it between some things. And also, Andrew Garfield's going to get to save MJ and he's going to cry about it, which is a fun little moment. Um, I was it's generally good. A good moment. Um, yeah. There's lots of little bits and things in there that are fun. I mean, it's it's kind of like. The. In game after the the in game battle after portals like after the thanos thor iron man captain america fight um it's like that fight's pretty neatly choreographed and has a lot of cool stuff going on and then it kind of gets into a lot of like big craziness happening and it, and it loses focus on some of those cooler moments there's still some stuff there um but it definitely goes more to that of like here's character beats instead of like yeah here is a a fully orchestrated action sequence um so I don't know. I would agree. Uh, Lizard gets to run through uh, a lab type thing again. It's fun. Yeah, that was fun. Uh, It's cute. Uh... Sandman does a lot of swirling. (laughs) Sandman does some swirling. A lot of swirling around. A lot of of murk. Yeah, it feels so weird because on a technical level, the special effects are, are... On average, better than they were than most of the other Spider-Man movies. Right, like just just in terms of consistency and like if you go back and watch, particularly the giant Sandman at the end of Spider-Man Three, like that is rough. But I still feel like just the framing of the camera and the editing of it, there's something to it that's just better. I I can't sure. I can't. Maybe it just is placement of camera, even if it is a digital environment. I don't know it. And I think much like Endgame, it's kind of the same deal of like, ah, we've got a, b- a billion characters. We don't know exactly what to do with this. <laughs> We're just sure. going to be like, uh, here's some characters interacting. Um, yeah. and, and here's a couple of moments that are fun in between all this madness. Um, so. But what is fun that we haven't really spent a lot of time talking about is uh, the three Spider-Men just like burrowing it up. I wish yeah. that was the movie. I wish they both Andrew and Toby showed up in the first act and it was just the three of them bantering for the rest of the movie. What, what's better than this? Spider-Man being 
No, I, I completely agree. I, I talked about not really absorbing the movie so much, but I did a, uh, fairly well absorb that stuff. Um, I, I may just still be on a high from Tick, Tick, Boom, but like Andrew Garfield's really good in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's really funny. The, I liked what his jokes were, like what ad libs or scripted lines, whatever it was. I liked the things he was saying and he said them really well. Um, like even just the way he goes, Peter three is, is great. And yeah, I just thought it was hilarious. I liked the way they referenced Toby and Andrew's movies. I feel like they did it enough without yep. doing it, without it being like, Oh, we're just going to sit here and they're going to hit every single meme and every joke and every like, yeah, there's, I really love that. No, nobody, there's nothing about the dance in Spider-Man. 3. <laughs> I was, I'm, I'm, I love that. And like the this way movie they really, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, see, and, and I love all the stuff about how Toby can just shoot the webs out of his wrists. Mm. And the other two are like, "What? that is crazy. What is, how How are you doing that? Do you just make that? <laughs> like, all of that I thought was super fun. Yeah. Uh, the movie is very light on Spider-Man 3 content, which I appreciate. Uh, yeah, it's very mature. <laughs> maybe even lighter than, uh, than, lighter on Spider-Man 3 than is Amazing Spider-Man 2 because uh, like fact. electro yeah electro is a pretty big part of it whereas like sandman's i mean he is the same sandman but it's, it's not really yeah well like, they, they... he's not talking a lot about you know oh yeah i was teaming up with venom <laughs> and uh spider-man's not talking toby mcguire spider-man is not talking about uh this this jerk reporter guy that or photographer whoever he's supposed to be that was beating him to all the scoops or whatever. Like <laughs> there's, yeah. there's pretty much nothing referencing it. So I appreciate that. I like how they have the, you, you get the hint that Toby Maguire got to like live a happy life with mm-hmm. MJ that like he and Kirsten Dunst get to be together. That's, that's the stuff I like is particularly, cause like I said, I, I thought there were some inconsistencies with the villains and how they were kind of treated. I thought Toby and Andrew were both handled perfectly. Yeah. Yep. And it's like, both of them feel like they're directly carrying on from their movies in very natural ways. Um, and kind of them just relaying all their stories. And it's like, we're not going to get heavy into the details of what happened. But like Andrew Garfield's version apparently got kind of bitter and violent after Gwen's death. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that he's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to keep you from doing that from going down that road and it's like it all comes from a character place and it all feeds back into tom holland spider-man that all is if that was the stuff that came in at the last minute they did a one that's clearly where all of the focus went in terms of the writing Um, because that it was great one that toby is telling him like you you can have a life as spider-man and yourself that like you it takes time and but you make it work and it's it turns out okay um but yeah i i loved all of that stuff uh i and i do like that they did the joke i actually didn't catch it uh tyler you had to point it out but when uh, willem dafoe says i'm something of a scientist myself like that that's the that's the good kind of meme reference like that's not mm-hmm. one that we're all tired of after 15 years of it it's like nope there you go that was actually one of the examples that i found kind of cringe inducing and i think that might actually be Willem Dafoe's delivery. Mm. I feel like he puts a a hair too much <laughs> into it. He's, it's a little too much. Because like, there's the wonderful moment at the end where um, Doc Ock and Toby Peter uh, Peter Two are have run into each other, and um, 
Doc Ock's like, oh my god, you're you're grown up. How are you, dear boy? And Peter says, trying to do better. And I'm like, that that is that rides that perfect line of being a callback that also comes from a character place. Right. And it just it just rides that line perfectly. Yeah. I was really happy. I'm always happy to see Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe anyway. Those two are like acting. They're not mm-hmm. how easily they could have phoned in you know all of that yeah. every every single beat of these movies but these are both like pro- professional actors they are theater guys like they are just full tilt um no we're going to do our job and we're going to take it seriously and it's it pays off so well like those are both just they're so much fun Willem Dafoe adds so much like nuance to his character from Spider-Man 1 like he he creates this sort of idea of I mean, some of it's there from from what I remember. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but like just the stuff where he's he's like completely helpless and it, it helps that he's older and he's able to yeah. kind of play into that vulnerability a little more. Um, but he when he's not Green Goblin, he's he's kind of totally like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he's, he's stealing donuts in the background while Spider-Man and Aunt May talk over what to do with these villains. Yeah, um, it's yeah. I think it's uh, really lovely, and I love the Norman's the, on sabbatical <laughs> when when they're just punching him in the face repeatedly, and he's just getting like this more and more maniacal yes. grin on his face. Like, uh, he's so good. Yeah, no, all that stuff's great, and I I think that might be my favorite fight scene of the whole movie, and maybe that's just my my weird like I just like one on one fight scenes like that. Like my favorite. My favorite fight scene in any Spider-Man movie is the fight at the very end of the first one where uh, uh, Green Goblin is just beating the crap out of Tobey Maguire Peter and he's just like bleeding and half of his mask is torn off and it's just very violent and visceral. Um, and this got, I mean, it's not quite, it's its not that, um, but it did have shades of that at the very least instead of just CGI characters flying around. Yeah. And apparently Willem Dafoe did a lot of his own stunts and he refused to kind of let a stunt double do it. And like, respect. <laughs> Love, Love him so much. Yeah. Um, I do kind of feel frustrated and, and we'll just have to see where they carry this. Um, I appreciate on the one hand how with the last couple movies they've gone we're not going to go to the normal well of spider-man villains we're going to try and pull some different lesser known characters so we're going to do vulture we're going to do mysterio we're not going to do the big ones that everyone knows and i'm a little worried that they're going to keep on that path um which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world but i i don't want this movie to end up being like a very firm message of like no the only These green goblin off limits yeah. yeah though the only versions that are valid are the previous ones that are only going to show up this one time um i want to see the mcu version of doc ock i want to see the mcu version of of uh norman um and as he specifically willem dafoe has that line where he's like you know i my company's gone uh, somebody else is living in my house and my son is doesn't exist and it's like does is that is that them signaling to us that th- it's not happening? There's not going to be an MCU version of Norman Osborn. I don't know. I already it- pitched Cole Sprouse as Harry, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here for that. Um, I don't know. I uh, Yeah, we'll kind of have to wait and see. I, I, w- I feel like the... Uh, 
the obvious way to kind of have your cake and eat it too with that is to do Hobgoblin, uh, who is like, what if Green Goblin, but had a color change and is maybe a little bit creepier. Um, Look, I believe that Mark Hamill actually voiced him in the 90s cartoon. Just have Mark Hamill be Hobgoblin. Yeah, Just do it. Probably be fine. Uh, <laughs> don't give it Disney ideas about more things to make Mark Hamill do AI stuff. For. Yeah, honestly. Uh, <laughs> Look, if it's actually him doing stuff, I'm fine. But if you start m- start messing with him, digital trickery, I'm That's, no. Right. Yeah. Cole um, Sprouse. Maybe it can be Taylor Lautner. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. I don't know. I yeah. I'm I'm also curious. I'd love to see like. I'd, I'd very much like to see them do a businessy thing with Norman Osborn, um, a la the Dark Reign comics from the like 2000s where he starts his own Avenger squad, which they seem to be doing kind of a Dark Avengers thing. Maybe he'll show up and be like, I'm the one who hired What's-Her-Face, <laughs> uh, actress who is very good, but whose name I can't remember, and playing a character Louis, whose Louis name is... Yeah, there we go. Uh, maybe maybe he'll show up and be like i'm the head behind it all and i've used these five years to infiltrate wherever sword or right uh, and i've I've created hammer uh because that's the thing he has in the comics um i don't know we'll see i'm curious is hugo weaving too old to be norman osborne yeah probably and also he was red skull Oh, that's did not right. come back. I was going to say Skull, he'd be so. complaining the whole time. Okay, I imagine if he didn't come back for Red Skull for like a scene in Infinity War, they probably wouldn't be like, sure, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair. All right. Donnie Yen called it. Uh, sure. <laughs> this this is a Norman Osborn who Hob- gets to really kick butt. I was going to say uh, Hobgoblin is a character who the original writer left before they revealed that the writer of the run that introduces him left before they revealed who they intended him to be. Hmm. And then the next few writers just like, I think tried to reveal like two or three different times who it actually was. And they kept being like, that was brainwashing. The real <laughs> hobgoblin is so-and-so. And this, this happened several times. So like you could make him pretty much anybody. Sure. You could cast anybody for that and yeah. just be like, yep. That's him. Yeah, so, Dan Marino. That's huh. that would be <laughs> weird it'd be a convenient character to go with but not i i'm zoning in on him i think we had talked about like if you bring black cat and that'd be fun um there's things you can do especially because now you've kind of totally stripped peter parker of the cast i'll be curious to see what they do i'll be curious to see where he shows up next because i don't think it'll be maybe it will be until the next spider-man movie i don't know i don't know if we'll get anything that it's we it's weird we haven't seen morbius yet that's fair we we haven't <laughs> i don't i don't want to threaten anyone with a good time sure. but we haven't seen morbius um, yet but i it, it is weird to be in a mcu like post endgame mcu that doesn't have the big crossover event slated on the schedule and maybe they'll announce one this summer and be like actually you know secret wars or whatever is coming and whenever um but right now there's there's no guarantee that anyone will show up anywhere other than the next thing that has their name on it uh which is kind of interesting but i'm also like i want to see some of these threads start connecting uh and i want to see some of the spider-man's new threads on the silver screen yeah so (laughs) nicely done that was good um 
One thing I wanted to touch on because one of my complaints with Far From Home was that it kind of just makes a bunch of leaps um, in terms of not not wanting to deal with consequences of stuff that happens at the end of Homecoming um, and kind of just setting up a new status quo without uh, earning it, in my opinion. So like the big reveal at the end of Homecoming is that Aunt May finds out that he's Peter or that he's Spider-Man. Um, and then in the next movie, she's just totally cool with it. And then he's suddenly in into MJ and it's like, well, that, that's not what you built up in the last movie. Um, so I was a bit worried when we got to this movie. I was like, are they just going to sweep under the rug that he is? Everyone knows he's Spider-Man within the first 10 minutes because right. I seriously thought they would do that. Yep. And they don't. And I think leading up to all of the magic stuff, I think the movie is near perfect. I love everything at the beginning with him kind of just being bombarded with the media of everyone just like distrusting him and wanting to get into his business. Um, the fact that, the, you know, the opening scene, they're harassing MJ on the street and he's having to like rescue her and they're just like swinging around the city. Um, I think that's the best that the web swinging at least has looked in yeah. in the um, MCU Spider-Man movies. Um, we haven't even discussed that our boy Charlie Cox pops up here. Oh, yeah. I was going to get to that. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I love, I love the fact that we're automatically like, nope, we're not, we're not sweeping that under the rug. We're, we're dealing with it. We're, we're making that. That's, that's what the movie is about. Um, and that does lead to, uh, uh, my, my favorite, um, MCU actor, performer, uh, Charlie Cox comes back. I don't know if it's technically the Netflix version of, of sure. the daredevil character, or if it's just, we brought back Charlie Cox cause people like him, but it's right. a different version. Um, we'll, I, we'll see how that, that pans out. I but, definitely, uh, he's think, great. Yes, he is. I definitely think the idea with all of those is that they're just going to be like, these are characters. Don't they look familiar to these other characters? You remember, we're not going to yeah. explain what they've been up to or where they came from. They're sure. here now. Like, I think that they're just going to be like, it could be canon if you really want it to be. Right. I think and, and if they're not going to actually address the movie or the, the Netflix shows, I hope that's what they do. I hope I they so, don't yeah. go. No, they they didn't happen. Right. Because that would that's annoying because like the, yeah. de- the Daredevil show is so dang good. Right. Well, maybe in, you know, whatever property they would cross over, Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio will have a long conversation about like apartment building zoning laws or whatever is <laughs> whatever mm-hmm. daredevil i feel like that happened a lot in the daredevil show which i quite like but there's a lot of municipal stuff in that show this probably this probably doesn't work but i love the idea that uh all the marvel netflix shows just take place during the blip i like that I like <laughs> that idea i want to just retcon that oh, that'd be it's funny. like oh this is what you know everyone was up to in a sad world yeah <laughs> um it would be funny if uh the only Netflix character they brought in was Foggy and like Daredevil never showed up. Kingpin never showed up. Mm-hmm. Jessica Jones, nobody, but just Foggy was walking around <laughs> like I can help avocados. Remember that joke? That almost would have been an even better build. Cause then you're like, did they just get him for a cameo? Or is Daredevil <laughs> going to come back too? what's happening? Like if he had been Spider-Man's lawyer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be fun. Uh, uh I did want to get y'all's opinions on this um one of the things that did kind of frustrate me about this and this it's really when you know it starts to turn into you know peter needs to find another solution for this um i kind of wanted there to be like a courtroom drama 
aspect to this because like when daredevil sure. shows up and he's peter's lawyer you expect that but he basically just goes and eh, they can't tie you to the crimes you're home free from a legal sense obviously you still got harassment going on from the media and everyone around you but from a legal sense you're not under arrest or anything i felt that was a little easy sure. and i felt that they were using this really really surprising cameo to kind of distract you from that yeah which really I mean, good I'm not going to completely complain because I'll 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 take it I'll take I'll take more Charlie Cox give yeah. me Daredevil please <laughs> but at the same time I was a little frustrated like no 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 make make him part of the movie like give him more to do <laughs> yeah I do I agree but I think also to the point of uh the point you were saying of like are they just going to sweep the fact that everyone knows Spider Man under under the rug I was definitely like wondering and a little bit worried because i wouldn't have loved this direction if they were just going to make him kind of tony stark 2.0 and be like oh he just owns that he's spider-man and everyone loves him and sure he just kind of carries on and, and that's just whatever direction we take this in um so i think that would have been more concerning if that ended up because as it is it's kind of just like okay this free spider-man up to get the plot started um you could have just as easily been like oh he's under house arrest and he's sneaking out because the case is still under criminal investigation or whatever like uh you know you i think there's other ways you could have done it i think it's fine to do it that way because it's not a big issue for the rest of the movie and spider-man's off doing spider-man things the rest of the time anyway so yeah yeah i'm I'm curious what daredevil's gonna show up in next if it's she hulk or literally anything else maybe um she hulk <laughs> <laughs> i know that, yeah people think jessica jones might roll up in that the trailer just dropped for that i think it looks fun mm -hmm. um and i like jessica jones that's it yeah that's all i got i don't know i don't know the marvel yeah. I, I, don't, I don't i'm not a nerd i don't know this marvel stuff <laughs> <laughs> that's why i referenced dan marino earlier yeah <laughs> i'm such a such a jock uh-huh <laughs> Um, uh, how did how did we feel about Michael Giacchino's score in this? Good. Yeah. There's All another right. Marvel score from the past few days that stuck with me more. Yeah. Sure. Talking about I, Moon Knight. I've been talking Moon Knight talk, good, talking about Thor one. Yeah. Hey. I don't remember that movie that. at all. I don't know what I'm saying. Don't no, that's genuinely one of my favorite Marvel oh, is MCU it? score. Okay, well then I take it back and I replace it with Ant Man one. That's a fun score too. Good though. lord! <laughs> Marvel right, has so, okay scores. No, they, they just need they, do. they need more direction. I was they gonna say, some... Tyler, what, what's a bad answer we give give them? What's I what don't do we know. got? <laughs> Greatest Showman. Keep going. Keep going. Okay. All right. All right, <laughs> all right fair. Fair. My, um, my least favorite MCU movie. Yeah. Correct. Jakino's uh, just kind of a very mixed bag. It's. Very, mm -hmm. I mean, we'll talk about another of his scores that's absolutely wonderful in a couple of weeks. Um, but he kind of just Morbius. Up. Uh, yeah. Sometimes he he like shows up to play, and sometimes it's just like eh, I'm just I'm I'm just making another score. It's fine. Yeah. Um. And for this one, I think one of the things that frustrated me the most was that he started pulling in themes from the other Spider-Man movies, and then he just like they're very bare bones, and they only last like a few seconds, and it almost comes off as like, did you guys just rip that directly from the other movie? Like it wasn't 
reorchestrated or anything. It's not an actual part of Giacchino's score. Um, cause like there's a wonderful, like, I think it's the bit where, um, maybe Max and, and, uh, Andrew, Peter have a heart to heart, which is a, a wonderful scene between the two of them. Um, and I think it starts to play the theme from the first amazing Spider-Man, not the second one, not the uh-huh. Hans Zimmer score, which is weird, but, um, I, I prefer the, the first one. So there you go. I did not catch um, that at all. But it it doesn't last very long. And I'm like, wouldn't you want to give like each Spider-Man like a big hero moment where their fanfare right. goes like full blast? I don't know. Yeah. Because I felt like Doc Ock, when he showed up, that started to happen. And then it got pulled back like immediately. Yeah. It's a little strange. And I, I feel like definitely he's had ups and downs in terms of, you know, referencing his scores. Like his. I, I don't want to say this as bluntly as i say it because i feel like there's probably more to it that i'm not getting but his doctor strange score is his star trek score or at least his doctor strange theme i should say um is his star trek theme with like more kind of mystical sounding instrumentation (laughs) it, it is i think pretty much the same beats and like it's very close yeah it's weird it's weird. Um, and so I think he, he kind of comes and goes with <clears throat> how well he kind of incorporates and builds on past stuff. Um, but of course, he's also done stuff like Up and Inside Out, uh, which is like, those are really beautiful, incredible, lovely scores. Um, so it's kind of, it's hard to pin him down. Some Like you said, sometimes he's like, eh, I'll get a paycheck. Sometimes he's like, yes. It is I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll keep harping on this Super 8. I absolutely sure. love that score. He did also, I believe, do the Marvel fanfare uh, that is currently being used. Oh, okay. I didn't know that was him. Because uh, that was, I think that was, maybe that was before Doctor Strange that they rolled that out. And that was maybe the first MCU that he did the score for. That would make sense. I, I want to say uh, it was, it was, I don't think that was the first one that had that, that opening fanfare, but it was, they replaced something else. And I, this is, I was thinking about this just now. Uh the Marvel fanfare that they used to have, which I do not remember who made that one, uh, was replaced by this. And there's a big controversy because everyone was like, the, one, the old one was so much better. Uh, and now, like, if you hear that Marvel fanfare, uh, like, your brain just immediately is going to see the images of the Marvel Studios logo and all the characters flashing and the, the different, like, colorful images of all the characters. Like, it's instant. <laughs> so, uh I did think that was interesting. Uh, just, just thinking, reflecting back on that. Cause that, I remember people be on the internet being super mad about them changing that as they are wont to do about anything changing ever. Um, I want to talk about the MJ scene at the very end, uh, where our boy Peter walks up to the, the diner where MJ works. And of course she does not remember him anymore. And Ned does not remember him anymore. Uh, and he kind of awkwardly fumbles his way through a conversation with her where he wants to tell her that he knows her, but then he sees that she has still has this bump on her head from the, the events of the, the fight at the Statue of Liberty. Uh, and he's kind of like, oh, crap, if I pull her back into my life, I'm putting her and, and Ned and anyone else in danger all over again. My aunt just died because she was involved in my life. You know, she wanted me to continue doing what I was doing, but uh, that was like 
something that's going to stick with me for a while and I'm going to have trauma over that and and be worried and careful about who I let into the things I do. Uh, and he walks away and it is uh, a better version of the ending of Spider-Man 1. Whoa. I, I'm going to I'm going to drop that hot take. <laughs> uh, is that a hot take? <laughs> I don't know if it is, but I'm going to say I'm going to pretend it is because obviously in the Spider-Man one, I think fairly famously, I think everyone probably remembers it pretty well, uh, is him walking away from MJ. Uh, Ma- Mary Jane in that one that's played by Kristen Stewart and not Zendaya. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, <laughs> sir. Not Kristen Stewart. Kirsten Dunst, and not Zendaya. He was walking away from Still, her because she was I, 14 years old. I was half and right. Not, not it was Shailene Woodley. <laughs> not Shailene Woodley. Uh, Felicia, Felicia Hardy. Felicity Jones. Um, <laughs> he was walking away from Kirsten Dunst. Can, I, can we re-edit the original Spider-Man with uh, Kristen Stewart Twilight footage? <laughs> we just like make that happen. Say it. Um, Say I it mean, out loud. Spider-Man. <laughs> I mean, the dialogue's about as awkward, right. so you could probably get right. away with Whoa, it. Whoa, uh, man. <laughs> anyway. Um, That's not a hot take. Huge slam. Uh, that is kind of a hot take. People like those movies. Uh, the, the romantic twi- dialogue the in those movies is cringe-inducing, <laughs> is. and you know it. It is bad. No, I agree. Uh, I, hate, but I hate the internet. I hate web. It gets everywhere. Right. Uh, Kirsten Dunst is Mary Jane. Uh, and, allegedly, allegedly, and he walks away from her, uh, and it's kind of like monologuing narration, uh, over the scene where he's like, I can't, no one, I can't trust anyone. Uh, no one, no one can trust me. No one can be with me because I have a higher calling and et cetera, et cetera. And Mary Jane's very sad about this and she doesn't understand. Um, I, this you know, obviously is a similar situation, but it's uh, like the fact that he's so young and having to make this decision um, and the actor is actually young <laughs> and comes across that way. Uh, and that he is. Again, it's like Spider-Man as a character can be summed up by, hey, you have a couple of terrible choices you can make, make one of them and, and get on with it. Uh, and, you know, he's faced with that dilemma and, and does the thing that's more theoretically noble uh and has to live with that um and maybe you know it sounds like maybe you know she will come back again in the future i hope they hold off on that for a while it would be nice if if we do get him you know totally separate because that's also a thing that would happen in the comics that would be a fun kind of way to adapt that idea of like she goes away uh for a long time and then comes back and then kind of comes into her life and they end up getting or comes into his life and they end up getting married um That'd be fun if they did something like that, uh, eventually brought her back around. But I would like to see him kind of be totally living with the consequences of this movie and this decision for a while. Um, I think it's 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 a really good. Like, I, I don't understand how he emerges with such a strong character arc and, and a strong sense of growth in such an insane movie <laughs> like there's so much going yeah. on uh from like a production and a writing and a character standpoint there's so much mess to muddle through and somehow this this is just like completely airtight like all the way through really really clear progression for him uh that gets him in a place that's really exciting to see where they take him next i do think it helps that tom holland is 
in the vast majority of the sequences. It's not yeah. like we're constantly yeah. cutting away to subplots. So there is a lot going on, but it's just like, no, Spider-Man's just, he has a lot going on and he's interacting with a lot of different people. Right. Um, I think that automatically helps to just give it more focus. And it's like, yeah, it, oh, almost every scene, John Watts is, has the camera on Tom Holland. And it's like, well, the, from that, it's like, surely they could piece something together. But yeah, yeah, I think um, that stuff surprisingly is is... Despite my problems, it's it's very very focused. Um, I did want to talk about the Doctor Strange fight because I completely forgot that that happened in the movie. Um, that's absolutely delightful when when yep. um, Spider Man's playing keep away with uh, the MacGuffin, um, the the bad wish holder. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. Um, but they go into uh, is it the mirror dimension? Um yes and they have like a big fight with a bunch of moving trains and stuff and it's all really really cool and it's all very doctor strange um and peter beats him with the power of math and it was Mm -hmm. great it was delightful that was fun which that is also a fun talking about john watts kind of leveling up a little bit in this uh that is also a a fun like oh he's actually like in the same way a composer might pull in a theme uh he is he is playing with that kind of style that uh was established in the first doctor strange and um, kind of making that his own a little bit. There's some some fun throwing trains around. Spider-Man does a big math uh, to stop Doctor Strange from from leaving him in the mirror dimension. Good times. I do actually like how that kind of maybe this is even intentional, but it kind of pulls from the even back in the first Thor when um, Thor is explaining the nine realms to Jane. He's like, you know, on my, you know, on my uh, and Asgard, you would call this magic, but, you know, we call it science. And it's like, it's talking about the link between the two of them. And I like how it's like magic is science that we don't understand yet. Right. And so Peter is able to kind of make that connection and figure it out while he's in the middle of this big yep. magic fight. It's yep. great. I do like that they consistently remember that Peter is a smart kid. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Good times. Yeah, and the fact that it's not just that he wants to help the villains kind of fix their problem, the fact that he actively, like, he he comes up with ideas. He's like, I think I can come up with a better inhibitor chip to help Doc Ock. Like, yep. he comes up with that all on his own, um, and he tries to come up with a new goblin serum to fix <laughs> to fix Norman, and it just doesn't work. Um, Another great one take where... Peter realizes spider sense is going off and has to like wander around the apartment without raising anyone's suspicion to be like, who is this for? Yeah. <laughs> and stops a goblin from like stabbing him. How did but. you guys feel about him just like sneaking all the villains into Happy's apartment? Um, I thought that was a little strange of a choice. Yeah. Whatever. Mostly because they just leave the lizard down in the van. And this is still the lizard that wants to turn everyone into giant lizards. He has not gone through his character arc. Right. right. And I know the idea is Happy Hogan has all this stuff. And yeah, he is the giant um, like 3D hologram table that Peter used in Far From Home to build his new suit. Right. Um, So I get it on that front. Uh, I think it, it almost might be more fun to try and like 
have a scene where they're getting the the stuff to the dungeon and uh you know maybe there's a scene where happy's having to like talk his way through some authorities posted outside his room like while spider-man's lifting it you could do a fun scene like that where he's distracting them um and then you know you have some other way of them escaping the the dungeon i don't know you're right it, it is a little kooky uh but not the biggest deal i mean life's kooky you know yeah it really sometimes, is. I mean, look look at what we're doing right now. Yeah, we're all trying to get through this. So, sometimes, you know, everyone figures out your secret identity, so you oh. have to, you know, go talk to your local wizard and be like, hey, yeah. do a spell so I forget everything, or so everyone forgets forgets everything, and then he's like, all right, but you can't alter it. And you're like, ah, oh, but I want to alter it a little bit, and then, you know, you let in all these villains of other versions of yourself. Ugh. It's a whole thing. Yeah, and that's going to be your whole week, so. Mm-hmm. Better just block off that Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, tell me about it at least. <laughs> this is why Spider-Man's so set, relatable. Set up your calendar reminder for that one. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, my whole schedule. It's got me marked as out of office on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, guys. This just says wizard shenanigans. <laughs> and I don't think it means Quidditch camp. Oh, boy. Here we go again. Maybe, maybe Tom Holland will go to... Tom Holland Spider-Man will go to Quidditch games <laughs> at college. <laughs> uh, that'd be fun. fun. If you like accidentally got into a Harry Potter <laughs> college. Not well, Hogwarts, it, it, a college themed around Harry Potter. Right, right, right. Because, you know, they. that's the thing with like people will play like Quidditch on broomsticks. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there's, there's some, you know, amateur leagues and such. Uh, <laughs> that's very I, diplomatic. I... <laughs> I uh, I like the idea of, you know, you do the thing where like like they do this in Superman origin stories a lot where Superman's playing football as a teenager in, in Smallville and then Pac ends like, well, Superman, you know, you, you you can't use your powers like that. I like the idea of that happening, but it's like Peter Parker getting berated by his friends who know he's <laughs> Spider-Man at college because he's playing Quidditch too good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can't use your powers for self-gain. A friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine when he was in college was talking about one of the classes he went to, the the class that used that room before them was like a Harry Potter analytical course or something. And he said he walked in one day and written on the dry erase board from the previous class just said, Boggart equals symbolism. <laughs> and that's just so funny to me. Can that be the name of our next podcast where we mm-hmm. don't talk about Harry Potter? Yeah, that'll be the secrets of Dumb- that's what the secrets of Dumbledore episode is is called. It's just us trying to figure out what the Boggart could possibly symbolize. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Probably the multiverse. Ooh, I uh, actually, yeah, that makes sense. And also Schrodinger's cat, because you don't know what that cat looks like until you open the thing. Maybe it's Snape in a dress. Maybe it's a big old spider on roller skates. I don't remember that movie. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. That was actually a pretty pretty good recollection there. <laughs> All right. Great. <laughs> um, how did we feel about J.K. Simmons? Because he is in this movie. I, I, I feel like it's easy to forget that he is in oh, this yeah, movie. I, mean, but he's I, in I guess there really are like 15 characters to keep track of in this. But no, there's a lot. I thought that was a high number. but <laughs> I don't know what all like... there is to say about him. I mean, yeah, he's doing the J. Jonah jam. I did yeah. feel like it was a little... I was a little confused as to why he hates Spider-Man so much in this one. Because he's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. But 
and and this might just be because they threw him in in the very last scene of the last movie or maybe right. it was the after credit scene i can't remember um i believe so yeah but the whole thing where like he's completely on board with mysterio and everything that he did and i get that he frames spider-man at the end but like I don't know, there's some weird disconnect, and particularly in a world of superheroes, I feel like you need to firmly establish in a movie sure. why he specifically targets Spider-Man. I I think it tracks in the sense that he got big off of this news, like he, he got this, this scoop from Mysterio, sure. and so he's like, I'm running this, and now I have to make my whole thing about how I hate Spider-Man. It, it, um, it's a comment on social media culture where the way to become big on Twitter is not to say any, it's not wit, it's to be as inflammatory as possible. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. J. Jonah Jameson the, is modeled he's gotta, after that. He's got he's to yeah. get the clicks. Mm-hmm. No, I actually uh, like that. And I, I caught that when we watched it. I was like, what? the first scene that we see him in, he's supposed to be like in his basement. It's mm-hmm. like he's got the fancy green screen and then around him is just like a mess. And then cut to, because we have like a montage and Tyler, I thank you for, you know, kind of walking me through this. It's supposed to be like several months have passed because um, obviously we're jumping from summer, which is when they had their vacation and far from home to now they're um, receiving their results of their college applications. Um, so it's been several months and cut to, oh, he's like in a fancy studio now. He's got he's got big corporate media money now yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something um i did think it was a, a little strange if it's supposed to be like he's supposed he's like like just a guy working from his basement somehow he's able to get like times square sure. ads and like live feed from Maybe Times he, Square. he dumped his his 401k uh, he was like <laughs> yeah. i've got the scoop i'm betting it all and then yeah. uh, also then I'm, I'm, alex i'm gonna send you a link to a, fo- a folder that just is labeled the paul brothers and i think you're gonna have a lot to learn about hot takes I don't know what they do, but I'm assuming it involves hot takes. What I'm saying right. is you can get famous now by just saying a bunch of dumb oh, stuff. Oh, you're talking about sure. Jake and Logan. Jake and Logan, Paul. yeah, yeah, yeah. The infamous controversial. Right, right. The MMA things. samurai or whatever they do. <laughs> and not and not Paul Rudd, no. the much beloved actor. No, right. no, no, no. That would that would be like on your birthday. I'd send you a, <laughs> a, fi- a folder with a bunch of new pictures of paul rudd <laughs> oh my god bunch of glossy he's got jape. that smile man oh yeah. just a bunch of oh this is gonna be 27 is gonna be my year look at all these glossy jpegs <laughs> of paul rudd look the only thing that was holding me back from giving ant-man the wasp an f was just his hypnotic smile <laughs> um yeah. but yeah i felt like uh Jonah Jameson's almost I don't want to say he could be written out of the movie because obviously he does serve a purpose but like at a certain point he's not as integral to the story as maybe I would like the scene I will say after Aunt May dies and um he kind of catches Spider-Man there and obviously the police are shooting at him as he as he escapes the scene where Peter's like standing on a building overlooking Times Square and it's raining and all he is seeing is the broadcast of Basically, J. Jonah Jameson saying, everything you touch is ruined and gets destroyed and you're just the worst. And it's shot shockingly well. Mm-hmm. Like, it's absolutely beautiful. And I was 
I don't know. That was that was just very impressive because I, I don't see that a whole lot in these yeah. movies. And I think that like that moment alone is enough that in the beginning of this and slash end of Far From Home is enough that like it will be worth it for him to be in this movie if we, you know, start the next movie and he's like going on a tirade about Spider-Man yeah. while Spider-Man's like grabbing a coffee or something, uh, listen, listening to him on on his phone. Um, you know, I think that you could establish him really well as like, okay, this is now Spider-Man's sort of not arch nemesis, but like his, his, his foil at any given time. Um, So I'll be curious to see what they do with him. Kind of like you were saying about what are they going to do with this reveal that everyone knows Spider-Man is Peter Parker. Uh, I definitely was thinking like, Oh man, how are they going to follow up on, you know, J Jonah Jameson there? And this movie doesn't do a ton with him and i wasn't super disappointed by that because there was so much other other stuff going on that like i was just thinking back to how i felt leaving the theater after far from home and i'm kind of like this is probably better than what i was imagining it was going to (laughs) be like all things considered just based off that last scene so yeah Um, I, I don't really have a whole lot else. Um, obviously, I've been kind of just nitpicking away for the last near hour and 45 minutes. So I apologize for that. Um, I, I hope that everyone enjoys the movie and and likes it and is in that 98%. <laughs> you you and, speak to the 2%, though. You, you and know, just you to know reiterate, I'm not technically in the 2%. I will give this a positive sure. rating. Sure. I did like the movie. It's just uh, I got a lot of reservations. See, but now, now you're the J. Jonah Jameson for Spider-Man No Way Home, if you are saying you don't actually believe what you're saying about Spider-Man No Way Home, but you're appealing to those people that hate Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, that's what oh, I'm saying. Okay, yeah. <laughs> that, that 2%. I, I'm, yeah. Appealing, I'm appealing to the extremes on the internet in the hopes that I'll make a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I give this an A-. minus. <laughs> Which I think, is that the same grade I gave Last Jedi? If so, that tracks. I might have given last year. Oh, let's see. When did we do that? Was that episode 100? Is that... I don't know. Yes, you did give it a name. Yes. That's the only comparison I have is that one thing I mentioned about those couple of lines that I felt similarly when we were discussing them. But you know what? I'm going to pretend like I have a bigger statement to make there. Uh, Britain. Uh, flat A. I got to watch it again, but flat A. There you go solid start yeah. I, f- I feel like whenever i watch it again i'm, I'm gonna have a, a a grand old time go on two percent two percent milk what you got <laughs> go on pasteurize this movie do it i i hate to, i hate to be of the sky just, and just maybe this... skim that a plus off the top my dude <laughs> well may- maybe this means if i ever rewatch far from home i'll actually change my grade for that and downgrade it a bit yeah. i'm gonna give this a c plus right now um and that is the grade that i gave far from home and Hold also the grade i gave thor ragnarok joseph so you can be mad about something else now oh. <laughs> old alex grifter podcast over here is uh <laughs> his last name is podcast yeah it's canonical yeah all our last names are podcast mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> which is really confusing when he does use his initials because you're like this was this is delivered by a podcast that doesn't make any sense <laughs> Why does a podcast need all these socks? Mm-hmm. Oh, goodness. Um, who wants to start with recommendations? I can. 
I watched Office Space. Hey. Um, I don't want to say I quite had a religious experience with that movie, <laughs> but <laughs> given that I had never actually seen it, I'm a big fan of Mike Judge. I love Beavis and Butthead, and I love uh, King of the Hill. Like, I just, I, I, I am a big fan of kind of his style of humor. Um, and so it's kind of weird that this was a hole in my filmography for, for what I've seen. Um, so having worked in an office for a couple of years and then obviously COVID happening and basically having to make an office space in my own home for the last couple of years, the movie spoke to me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think the movie actually has a lot to say in terms of like, if, if you are, uh, not satisfied with your life like you need to make changes and and sometimes there is an a an art to not caring and to just kind of just going with the flow and actually just taking a chance on things but also the other side of that coin is not letting it go too far and just making a bunch of dumb decisions um i thought the movie was actually fairly mature for what it was saying given that it's just supposed to be a dumb comedy um i i had i had a grand old time and it's like 90 minutes I've never seen it, but I like Gary Cole and Stephen Root a lot. Is that Stephen uh, Root? Every time he's on screen, he's a scene stealer. Stephen, he's Stephen Root, absolutely wonderful. The, Stephen Root is one of the treasures of American screen. Like yeah. every single time you see him in anything, he's good. Like he is a gift yeah. to acting. Mm-hmm. I Off- completely agree. Office Space is the uh, what would you say it is? You do here, maybe yes, yes, yeah, and the stapler okay. and stuff. Okay, yeah. Uh, on on the Good stuff. on the No Way Home pod, uh, poster, it says it's no office space. Quote a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Good, uh, good call back to five minutes ago. <laughs> it's like goldfish humor. I I, I got. I um. I am. Going... That would be a great podcast name. I don't know what it would be about. The goldfish humor. <laughs> you just start something and you just go. As fast as you can. <laughs> now, uh, I'm going to recommend a movie. This is a, a esoteric, even for me. I'm going to recommend an Austrian movie called The Ground Beneath My Feet. Uh, I literally just came across this movie at random, uh, putting a DVD cart together at work the other day. And I was like, oh, this looks interesting. And uh, I watched it, and it's cool. It's about the story of a woman who is like the successful businesswoman who has this very strictly drawn uh lines between her personal life and her professional life um she has a successful she's successful in her job she has a not scandalous but private relationship a romantic relationship with her boss but then one day uh her sister who is dealing with schizophrenia attempts to kill herself and things start to kind of unravel and those lines start to blur and it, everything kind of gets uh, complicated um it, it, it the closest comparison i can think of it's kind of like a much less stylized version of a three colors movie. Maybe I just mean that it's about a European lady with problems, but <laughs> um, that might be what I'm drawing. But in that it's, it's I mean, to be fair, is a big hole in Hollywood cinema. So. <laughs> frankly, but it's, it's it, it, but it is a movie. It, it doesn't have the kind of color uh, richness, the sort of cinematography, sort of eye popping thing that blue and red do. Um, but it does make sense. Maybe a little unlike uh, white. But it, it, you know, it's about a, a, just a person living their life and what happens when, when things start to change in that life. I, I don't think, as a movie, I think it's fine. 
Um, I, I did like it, obviously, but uh, the the big winning selling point for me is the lead performance by an actress called Valerie Pockner, who I recognized on the DVD cover from A Hidden Life, previous Britain recommendation by Terrence Malick, where she's terrific in that. And I was like, oh yeah, I liked her in that. I'll, I'll watch this. I'll give it a shot. And she's awesome in it. It's the kind of performance where she's it's she seems like such a real person. You kind of forget that she's it's an it's an acting performance. You kind of are just like, yeah, I'm watching a person live their lives. What's so special about it? And that's what makes it great acting. Um, but she's great. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I overall thought it was, uh, just a a neat little movie. I, uh, I don't know that it's streaming on anything. Cause like I said, I've printed it from work, but if it is, or if you find it some way, check it out. It's called the ground beneath my feet. And I was, I was excited. I was like, Oh, I got to look up more like Valerie Pockner movies. And I couldn't find a bunch. So I was like, Oh, I hope I get to see her again soon, but I will because guys, guess what? She was, not only was she in The King's Man, which is a series we'll eventually do in this podcast, but apparently she's in Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. And because I was holding a monkey's paw when I asked to be in this podcast, (laughs) I get to watch that movie. (laughs) So, (laughs) I guess what I'm saying is I found something good for us to talk about when we get to that movie, hopefully. Look, Britain, as long as she's not in Morbius. I don't believe she is in Morbius. You but, better look at those credits. And you know I'll thoroughly. be watching closely. That's I that's think. how that's how I'll get myself to pay attention to Morbius. Is like I wonder if Valerie Pockner's gonna show up. <laughs> I think I'd rather I think I'd rather her be in Morbius. That would be less upsetting to me. That's um, a that's a great tip, a way to get through a boring movie. For like, man, I am just not get. Maybe this random actor or character I like, guys. I can't prove the Terminator isn't in Made in Manhattan. Yeah. Anyway, The Ground Beneath My Feet. It's a cool Austrian movie. Tyler, what you got? Uh, We watched uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That's going to be my recommendation, even though we will eventually talk about it. Um, It's very Sam Raimi-esque, and he he gets to do stuff, which is fun. It's probably the most, like... I mean, it's it's up there with uh, Thor Ragnarok and Guardians 2. I would say, mm. in terms of like, I mean, Eternals, I guess as well. I would, I was gonna qualify Eternals, but yeah, I would say Eternals as well. Uh, in terms of just being very visually distinct and like, really, committing to that director's style uh, yeah. and what that director wants to do, um, there's a a ton of stuff that is, just like, it it would work in any Sam Raimi movie. Um, it's uh. It's good stuff. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it in a lot more detail, but I had a really good time with it. I think similarly to this movie, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, it is about a lot of things and somehow still manages to keep the characters pretty front and center and, and do some really cool stuff with them. So uh, I have I have thoughts or things that, especially on a rewatch, I'm sure I'll kind of question how much I appreciate that creative decision. But uh, overall, I had a really good time with it. And I'm glad they got Sam Raimi for it. Yeah, I also really liked it. And even just in the few days since, like, thinking back on it, I haven't had any, yeah. like, major cool down. Like, you sometimes, like, sometimes you walk out of a movie, and you're like, oh, that was great. And then over the next few days, you're like, eh, it was all right. Yeah. But I have, I'm still feeling really good about it. Like, I, I had a great time. There's, there's one big thing the movie makes you get on board with really quickly. Uh, and I think that colors a lot of whether or not 
you're able to get past it and enjoy it. Um, I I think I have ideas about what they're going to do with it in the future, so we can talk about that when we get to that podcast uh, as far as, like, what, what, why did they do it that way? Um, but we'll see. Yeah, that's a, that'll be a fun one to, to revisit and discuss. Uh, if you want to listen to that podcast and several amount of months later, uh, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify. We are on iTunes Music. I guess not really iTunes Music. We are the, the hottest hit of <laughs> May 2022. Charting, topping the charts. Oh, yeah. Charting the tops. It's it's all there. Do you guys think that the Grammys <laughs> could give us a best new artist Grammy? Yeah. That would be great if it was a bunch of like rappers and uh, pop stars <laughs> and then the three of us. And the award goes to Alex Tyler and Britain Podcast. <laughs> huh. All right. And we go up there. Thanks, Lil Nas X. Well, <laughs> gosh. Now, I'm, I'm just up there wearing like. <laughs> like jorts and a Han shot first t-shirt <laughs> the 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 standard uh podcasting uniform right <laughs> of course oh podcast we salute you. <laughs> there's a lot of talk about how red carpet interviewers need to ask people more but i think that if alex showed up they would have to go what you wearing alex <laughs> so what is what is all this Follow-up question, is everything okay? <laughs> E-News e is like, so who's Han? <laughs> is this how fast and furious? What's going on? Is this is he getting justice for this one? <laughs> what was your hit song? It was called Venom, Let There Be Carnage. <laughs> I guess we technically, legally have to thank Zack Snyder. Um, no, no, I was gonna say this is this will be the third um, Zack Snyder uh, awards win. Right. right, he has two Oscar wins, and then he's gonna get a Grammy on behalf of us. Best yes. new artist, <laughs> <laughs> man. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Well, guys, t t tune into the Grammys next year. We're gonna speak. Yeah. I'm, I'm the secreting it into existence. Do we want to announce our our next movie since we're doing catch up, or do we want to let people discover? I think people, uh, they could probably figure it out. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's a franchise we haven't visited in a while, but we're going back in. Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to review the new Lego Optimus Prime. <laughs> That's what we're Tyler, doing. is that a thing? Is that a, yes. is that a toy or a show Tyler, or what? A game? It's a toy, yeah. Oh, okay. The disdain with which you said Transformers, <laughs> that, that felt real. That felt from the heart. Like, if we actually were doing Transformers, that would be how just how you said it. <laughs> Pretty much. There I've been Alex. <laughs> I've been Tyler. I've been Britain. And you're having a good night.